Fox and Fallon, episode 21. We are of legal age to drink in the podcast world. Tanya Ray Fox, how you feeling with your tequila and lime juice? You know, I'm always feeling good. Just a couple sips. That's always. Just a no, couple sips. exactly. We don't really yeah. go overboard no, here never. on the podcast, on the show, but we got a big show here today. One of my favorite topics, merging music, particularly hip-hop, rap. I mean, I, I could not be happier about this partnership between Jay-Z and the NFL and Rock Nation partnering for social justice initiatives. They are taking over and co-producing the halftime shows, kind of assuaging the situation between the NFL and Colin Kaepernick that is now aged three years. Absolutely. We actually just celebrated the three-year mark of the first time he kneeled. So it's really interesting that this is coming out right now. So we'll definitely be digging deep into that. What else we got going on? Topic number two, Tom Brady refusing to say that he will ever go into coaching. I don't know when the hell this guy is ever going to retire. Tanya, you don't know that. Clearly no. he's not going to be living in Boston anymore. The rumors are flying up. I think Tom Brady just secretly loves drinking from the fountain of youth and forever playing in the NFL because he's never going to get into coaching. When will he really walk away? And is he the ultimate businessman? Yeah, well, we'll be breaking that down further because you know I have some thoughts about his delusions on this one. So I'll be excited to break it down with you. What else? Final topic? Final topic. We got two more topics, actually. Oh, yeah, we, we got have, some. We, we got a stack show today. Quinn. We got a stack show today. Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Five interceptions straight, one after another after another in practice in San Francisco this past week. Are we freaked out by this, Tanya, or not? I think it's funny because we brought this up, and Tanya has some conspiracy theories as to why he did this in practice that I thoroughly disagree with. Well, no, you you were you were trying to guess all my theories, but you but I'm keeping it to myself. I want to surprise you with what because I think. You're going to be shocked to realize how much you agree with me. So I'm excited to get into it. Okay. I, I, we love a podcast where both myself and Tanya agree with each other. It happens every, once every 15 years. And the final topic, not including gimmicks and rants, Aaron Rodgers. Very curious statement saying that he wants beer prices to go down at Lambeau Field so the fans can get rowdier. What I really just want to know is if Aaron Rodgers is going to get along with Matt LaFleur. Well, maybe if he has one of those cheap beers, it'll work for him. So we'll <laughs> see what happens on that one. I, I don't even think that he's allowed to chug on the field. And I don't think, because we've seen in a Milwaukee Bucks game, he can't chug beer. So And we have some good gimmicks and rants at the end of this show. So stay all the way to the end, because we have really good ones this week. And I guarantee you, we will always hit you with the good bloopers. Yeah. And whatnot. All right. Topic number one. Jay-Z and the NFL. It was front page news Everywhere, people giving their opinions, the old curmudgeons in the New York Post, and the young progressives that love hip-hop and the NFL. And I'm sure that Robert Kraft is smiling ear to ear <laughs> because, because his partnership and him spending millions of dollars to get Meek Mill out of jail and out of legal troubles, along with Michael Rubin, is helping his cause to be one of the cool old owners in the NFL. But yes, yeah, this is right up his lane, right? Like, exactly. He's the just merging, the merging of his beloved hip hop and NFL. What could be better? He's probably calling Roger Goodell's number at 345 Park and saying, Hey, bro, listen, teaming up with these rappers, I told you so. He's like, Can I be there? I can't wait to, I can't wait to talk to my friend Jay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, bet he, I bet he calls him by his, by his full name, Sean Carter. Yeah. Sean Carter was born December 4th. You know. Weighing in at eight pounds, four ounces. <laughs> he was the last of my four children. Oh, the God. only one that didn't give me any pain. Oh, my God. She's going to do it. I know. That's, it's a, that's a song. It's, it's, I know what it is. Let's just get right to this, Tanya. The crux of the issue that a lot of people are talking about, whether your name is um, Tammy Lauren, Tommy Lauren. Tony. 
chicken head, as Michael Rappaport calls her. I think that's the most accurate. Chicken head Tommy Lauren, um, calling him out for his past or whether he was a drug dealer or whatnot, who he was, who he stands for. As we all know, listen, Jay-Z started Rock Nation and Jay-Z's camp in Rock Nation has a handful of clients that play in Major League Baseball, the NFL, one including Saquon Barkley. This is no question that this is right on brand, right on point, and this is the perfect bridge, and perhaps as some of the naysayers would say, the perfect band-aid to cover up finishing what Colin Kaepernick started. That being said, during this press conference, was asked what his thoughts were on kneeling during a football game, and this is what he said. Um, okay, I think we've passed kneeling. Yeah, I think it's time to go into uh, actionable items. I think everyone knows what the issue is, and we, we're done with that. We, 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 everyone knows what the we. You know what the issue is? You know why we were kneeling? Okay, do you know the issue? Yeah, do you know the issue? Yes, we all know the issue now. Okay, next. Where are we moving on next? And I'm not, again, so to be clear, for the room, I'm not minimizing that part of it because that has to happen. That's a necessary part of the process. But now we all know what's going on. What are we going to do? How are we going to stop? Because the kneeling was not about a job. It was about injustice. Let me bring attention to injustice. Everyone's saying, how are you going forward and Cap doesn't have a job? This wasn't about him having a job. Okay, so as much as I support what's going on between the NFL and Jay-Z, and I actually think this initiative is exactly what the league needs to start moving into a demographic of people that are underrepresented on the higher levels of this league. Yep. I do think that soundbite is, it rubs me a little bit the wrong way, and I'll tell you why. I agree. Colin Kaepernick, we know, his issue was never making people know that this was happening. He did want action. That's why he kneeled and that's why he ended up without a job. So I don't love that he's undercutting him. We know this is part of the, the narrative right now. His girlfriend Nessa came out on social media and made it clear to everybody that Jay-Z never reached out to Kaepernick to speak with him about this partnership and what his plans were. All he did was have representatives reach out and say that he... Basically, were like, they were like, we're doing this. He never sought his counsel. He never sought his advice. Now, you might say, does he really need to? He and doesn't need to. To, what I, to, I, to that, I would say, Jay-Z put himself out there very loudly and very clearly in support of Kaepernick for years when it behooved him to be on the side of social justice with Cap. He, he glommed on to Kaepernick's movement, and now he's taking it and he's bringing it to the NFL. And I agree he's the right person to do it. And I actually agree that Kaepernick's not the right person to do it. And I don't love the fact that he's completely throwing him under the bus in that conversation. I, I think also, too, you can tell in the trepidation in his voice that he was getting just a little bit nervous speaking out on the point that he's trying to nail home, which eventually, after a, you know, a minute of speaking, he got it down. He asked everyone around the room, what was the point? Yes, police brutality. Okay, but that wasn't what we were fighting for. Now, my question is... And always in the situation that as you and I have been very vocal about things that go on behind the scenes in Roger Goodell's office in the league offices is that is there something that has gone on that he has that has been brought to his attention that has forced Jay-Z to change his tone on Colin Kaepernick right. again we are at the three-year mark of Colin Kaepernick kneeling in protest of police brutality he still played that entire year 
with the San Francisco 49ers. We all know what happened next. Now, on this three-year mark of the beginning of him kneeling, Colin came out with another public statement of some sort sponsored by Nike saying, 800 or so days of me not having a job since this all went down. I feel like this time, usually it would it would rock the earth like a, like an earthquake in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Like this, but it kind of fell on deaf ears. Now it's it's like the NFL is is done with this. They've moved on. I, I think a lot of people have moved on from this. I think it's been discussed at the owners' meetings. I think it's been discussed at nauseum. And I think behind the scenes, maybe perhaps the reason I don't know has Jay Z been showed, uh, you know, unclassified documentation of, you know, the collusion against Colin Kaepernick in the league? Has he just kind of understood it and said like, oh yeah, you know, it's a dead end for me to be teaming up with this guy or supporting him anymore? Because the way that he really went 180 and switched on him is he made this wry smile and he's talking at this official board meeting with all these cameras at him. It, It makes me kind of scratch my head a little bit and wonder what's going on. Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you mentioned the collusion because they did settle with Colin Kaepernick. Now, the the settlement did not include any stipulation that he could never play in the NFL. That was not what that was about. That was restitution. However, I do feel like the league's stance is if you want to get involved with us and we do want you to get involved with us, we have moved beyond Colin Kaepernick. We paid him money. We are done with him. And that is, unfortunately, they are the power... As powerful as Jay-Z is, this is a bigger opportunity for Jay-Z than it is for the NFL. The NFL makes its money. We have seen it for the last three years. It doesn't matter how many times someone tries to kneel and come out. The NFL always comes out on top. So this, at the end of the day, is a bigger win for Jay-Z than it is for the NFL. Oh, this is a 100%. huge win for Rock Nation. He's going to co-produce the halftime, or he's going to fully produce the Super Bowl halftime show. I think he's co-producing forward. because NFL Network has a sure. huge hand but in I mean, that in terms of like years. the production company, it'll be Rock Nation. So this is massive for him. And the second part of this conversation, Courtney, is whether or not he wants to try to become an NFL owner in the future. And the fact of the matter is, there has never been a black owner in the NFL. No. And if there is going to be one, regardless of whether we agree with this or not, they're going to have to toe the line a bit. With the, not only with the NFL in general and their, their sort of persona, but with what the other 31 very rich, mostly white male owners believe. And there has to be some sort of common ground. And if his entire platform is I'm standing by Colin Kaepernick, he's never going to own an NFL. Oh, I, I 100% agree. But here's what I'm going to interject in this next conversation is that Tanya, like being at the owners meetings previously in past years, um, I, I, regardless of how much Roger Goodell is like, you know, smiling ear to ear and laughing at these pictures that they took at this press conference with him and Jay-Z, I, I think he's years away from inviting Jay-Z into some very serious conversations with owners. Sure. Because I, I think that this is kind of like a test dummy. Yeah, I'm reading through the New York Post and there is a particular writer and I won't pitch him by name, but I think everyone knows it's this old curmudgeoned, you know, white writer for the New York Post that is, you know, going line by line in the words of some of his hip hop lyrics and saying, hey, he's a drug dealer and pointing out all of the, you know, the bleep words. And I mean, everything that Jay-Z has done in the past, there are, it's, 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 it's like, except in gay marriage, there's still going to be some people that are anti-gay marriage right. and are going to be racist. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this kind of transition phase is huge for the NFL because the NFL owners, as you mentioned, is a group of 
white, very wealthy, um, 1% of the world's owners. And I've known this from the past because there was a project that I wanted to do with the NFL last season. And I'm not saying that this was on the record or off the record because it just kind of was pushed to the side. But this was a project that involved something with the NFL and an NFL game and a, a black comedian. And it was pushed to the side because, and I got the impression that they were uncomfortable with allowing a black man with this kind of leadership on an NFL platform and doing it officially. Right. Because this is something that is just new. Imagine. The way that I was kind of explaining it to you, explaining it to other people, is like, listen, think about the Constitution of the United States. Those are like a certain Protestant white forefathers of, of America sitting in a room. It's, things aren't going to get changed so drastically so easily. So, yes, like inviting... A minority owner, yes, I do see that in the future. Shad Khan of the Jaguars, who is Pakistani, and Kim Pegula, who is Asian American, the, these are the only minority owners in the NFL. Now, can we welcome the idea of having an African American owner? Of course, but I think we are years away from doing that. And I think what Roger Goodell is trying to achieve right near, right here, and right now with the NFL and with Jay-Z is having someone again, like rock nation who has many clients in the NFL has the clout to try to bridge the gap into some things that the NBA is doing, yes. that they are so universally welcomed, bringing, bringing that culture and saying like, Hey, for all of the black players in the NFL that really don't like Roger Goodell. Hey, listen, he's buddy, buddy with Jay-Z, your favorite rapper. How about we all be friends? Right. And listen, this is a league that still has a rule in place to make sure that teams interview black coaching candidates. This is, we are so the far girl. away. Yep. We are so far away from equality in this league that they have to mandate that you interview black candidates in a sport where the majority of the players are black. So of course this is like baby steps and I don't actually expect Jay-Z to necessarily handle this perfectly, which is why I'm fine giving him this constructive criticism in this conversation because I do think that, that it's, you know, when you're Jay-Z, you're always the most powerful person in the room until you step into a room full of NFL owners and Roger Goodell. And that is, uh, I don't like it, but that is the world that we're living in. And so I think that that's a big part of it. And I also think that at the end of the day, you know, these black players who are looking for some sort of social justice, let's say Eric Reed, for example, who has stuck to his guns and has been a pretty impressive example of being able to play in the league and continue to fight the good fight and stand by Kaepernick. I'm truly impressed by it, regardless of how you feel about Kaepernick's movement. Eric Reed has played both sides of it. Very, yeah. uh, he's been very diplomatic, and he has worked his ass off to stay in the league and stay in shape and be an excellent player. Somebody like that, that's who you want to win over if you're Jay-Z. And I'm not sure he's doing that quite yet, so I'm interested to see how this all plays out. Listen, Jay-Z can do absolutely no wrong in my book. Well... I know, I, I will just come out and say, like, I've just... I've followed Jay's music since I was... I, I was eight or nine years old. I know that that sounds kind of crazy, and you're like, be like, oh, Cordy, I don't believe you. No, I believe you. I, you know, Jay, I, I, he could absolutely do no wrong in my book, but I think that he's going to need... A little extra coaching and a little extra time, uh, you know, to walk into a room and face those men. Speaking of coaching court, we're on to topic number two. Oh, and yeah. I have to be honest, this is a good one. Tom Brady went on the record at practice today talking to media and everything and said he was asked about his future once he retires, what he's thinking about doing, if he ever go into coaching. 
And his exact quote, Courtney, was, hell no, I'm never coaching. Now, I found this to be a little surprising, not because I thought necessarily that he wanted to be a coach. I actually never fully thought about what he would do post NFL because he's sort of had this insanely long career and always, he just always seems to be ready to play the next season. But we are getting to the twilight years. If this is his last season, no one would be surprised. And I, I would know be he's surprised. trying to be a businessman. I would, I would be surprised if this was his last year. Okay. Would, would you be shocked I mean, like, it's, I'm, unless I'm he went down with unless he went down with a catastrophic injury, I would be shocked if he didn't even try to come back right, next well, year. Sure, I, I mean, he's 42 years old. Continue, continue. I'm right. nitpicking. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I get, no, I get you. I, I get what you're saying, though. But like, so he, I know he wants to be a businessman. He, he's, he, 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 we talked last podcast about how he loves real estate. He has all these like his fingers in these little things. But nobody plays until 42 years old at the level that he's played at and works on his body the way he has and is so maniacally competitive as he is to the point where he is probably the most insane competitor the league has ever seen, then just walks away from football for good. He's not going to be in the booth. We know he's, that's not his fucking nope. future. He's not exactly a, a media guy. Nope. And we know he's not funny enough to do television and movies. He's beautiful, but that's about it. Pretty face. This is a man who needs to be around football and Courtney. I mean, I don't know how if, how you feel about it, and I'm interested to hear. I can't imagine him going the rest of his life without returning to the NFL. Um, here's the thing that I'm thinking, and the first thought that came to mind when you said, what the hell is he going to do after coaching? He already has plans with this whole TB12 method that has been highly controversial in the in the world of the New England Patriots. It seems that he has kind of worked out those issues with Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft in the past, whether allowing Alex Guerrero to come into his, you know, into the facility and allowing some of his teammates, Julian Edelman, uh, Gronk, Malcolm Mitchell, to get treatment at the TB12 facility versus having the New England Patriots medical staff treat the players. I already have seen plans for this TB12 method to be expanded into multiple cities in the offseason. I even reached out to some of his people. I said, hey, if you want a representative out in Los Angeles for TB12 method, like, I'd love to help out what you guys are doing. He's totally planning on whether he's coaching or not. He's going to take this whole, like, Tom Brady uh, lifestyle mentality of football and turn it into something coaching, whether he's at UCLA bringing people in the offseason oh, and saying. being okay. a coach in that sense. Right. He's not going to get into coaching in the NFL. Like he will be the world's most he, overqualified strength and conditioning. He, he, he <laughs> will set up a Tom Brady coaching camp okay. and a coaching strategy and will try to compete with the NFL dollars in the offseason and the exos and the athletes first and all these massive million dollar facilities that they okay. train. I think that's really smart. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm never getting into coaching for an NFL team, mm-hmm. but I will set up my own fucking empire right. along the side of everything that's going on, and I will make my money and continue to prolong my career and have an even lasting effect because you better believe that if the next great quarterback comes through his system and is discovered by Tom Brady mm-hmm. and goes on to win a Super Bowl, yeah. you better believe that will feel much better than him saying, I coach and I, I coach a, a San Francisco 49ers team to a Super Bowl and I have a ring. No, he's going to stand on the other side of it and say, yeah, I made triple the dollars that you even thought that it would and I'm even better and greater of a name than I was before. 
I, End of story. I, I absolutely love that. I think you're 100% right that that would not only be a perfect career path for him, but it really merges everything he's already doing and very good at. Um, I, I do think, even you just saying that, and I'm envisioning it, and I'm envisioning, like you said, like he maybe the next great quarterback comes through his system and he starts to get this clout and he starts to really understand and remember that feeling of like producing greatness. And it's just still so hard for me to see like, you know, you get like, you get 60 year old Tom Brady, he's built his empire, he's creating the next most amazing players in the league, everybody's pliable as shit, we're okay, we're killing it, right? And he has 20 plus years of the deepest knowledge of Bill Belichick's system that anybody in the on the planet has. Nobody knows Bill Belichick's mind and the way it is executed on the field better than Tom Brady because nobody's had that amount of time with him. That is like... That you can't waste that. No. And I feel like he's going to turn 60 years old and he's going to be like, you know what? The greatest coach to ever coach in this league was that's my guy. (laughs) Yeah, but I know I have what it takes. I can bring this, I can pass this on. I just, it's, I know it sounds a little crazy because somebody who says, hell no, I'm never coaching. But I just think he has too much knowledge and too much of a competitive edge over other people for him to let it go. What what if, when you were just saying that, what if Tom Brady, at the tender age of of 62, and Bill Belichick is in his 90s, in his 90s, (laughs) no, he's six, he's my mother's age, he was born the same year, 52, so so he's he's 67. Okay, so he's like 25 years older than Brady. Okay, yeah, so I mean, like... What if what if Bill Belichick is literally like on on his deathbed, and then Tom Brady like he Belichick passes away, and Tom Brady <laughs> says like says like Tom. you know now now that now that Bill is dead, I am the greatest coach of all time. I mean, could you like could you not imagine something kind like of. kind of crazy that <laughs> or like, like he just. He hands him over his playbook. He hands him his playbook, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he goes, he he's probably like, speak well of me in my passing, Post, a- posthumously. Is that is that the posthumously, word? Yeah. Posthumously, speak well of me, and then and then he dies, and yeah, Bill, he, Brady's like, Brady's like, I was the greatest coach of all time. He hands over, he hands over <laughs> his old wrinkled hand, hand hands over the whistle. No, we says, are not. He says, you're not saying it, that. It was always you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> That will never happen. I don't even want to imagine the day. Yeah, but there is like 150,000 Patriots fans that just listened to that and got like a little horny. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Moving on. Speaking of being horny. <laughs> the wow, the transition. The third topic, Jimmy Garoppolo. The hottest man in showbiz. I beg to differ. I can name a couple other players that are hotter than Jimmy G. Hey, yeah, but everybody loves themselves some Jimmy G. Everyone loves themselves some Jimmy G. And uh, Jimmy G this week threw five straight interceptions in practice and it made all of the PFT, uh, you know, the NBC headlines all over. And, I mean, I'm so curious because I'm kind of... I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, like, what, did he do it on purpose? Okay, I'm just... I'm not freaked out by this because I think it's funny because I really think that I I always compare this to baseball players. And this is, I made this comparison of Gronk in his first year in the league in the NFL that people just didn't know the size and the magnitude and how fast he ran and how fast he ran into people and ran over people. And then only it was until his second year or his third year that people... The second year, yeah. Yeah, the second year that people started to figure it out because it's the same way in baseball. 
if a pitcher comes out like Jacob DeGrom comes out and he's fucking mowing down lines, like one through nine, you know, like your fastest hitters, no one can figure him out. Once you start getting kind of like a book on what he's doing, fastball, slider, curveball, like you, you start getting a track record and then you figure out how to break him. I am convinced that Kyle Shanahan is due for a breakout year because lest we forget when him and Sean McVay both came out, it was like, these are the two greatest coaches to ever come in the league. And Kyle Shanahan has kind of, you know, fallen off the Richter scale of, hey, these are the coaches that that break open yeah, games waves, and yeah. making waves and whatnot, as I'm making, a, you know, an earthquake reference here. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I really, I really think that Jimmy G is in for a tough year. I, I, I really think regardless, he's got... He's got the weapons. George Kittle is a phenomenal tight end. I, I, I really don't... I think he's going to struggle this year. And I think this is the beginning of his struggles that we're at least seeing in a, in a joint practice nonetheless. So, here's yeah. the thing. Here's my... Stay with me because this is good. I promise I will make a point. A lot, a couple of wide receivers in the media have come out and said they've never seen... A, even on a bad day or a bad week, they've never seen a quarterback in practice throw five straight picks. It's unheard of. It's not something people do. It's yeah. definitely not something that a $100 million quarterback does. This ties into a theory I have about Aaron Rodgers and and Russell Wilson and guys like that who throw very few interceptions. Yep. Aaron Rodgers will not throw a dangerous pass. He throws the ball away or he throws right to an open guy that he knows he can hit or he throws a Hail Mary. He doesn't, he doesn't throw, throw the needle. high-risk pa- passes. So he throws very few interceptions, which makes him look very accurate, which to some extent he is accurate, but he's actually not throwing the balls, the high-risk, high-reward balls that guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees will. And, let me, and Drew Bledsoe, as my brother my brother Derek would, would say, Drew Bledsoe sure. was the ultimate man to thread okay. the needle and take the risk. Okay, Derek, we're going to have to talk to him about that. <laughs> but so, so what happens is people think he's more accurate than he is. Guys like Tom Brady practice throwing really hard passes. Now, maybe there's a 90% chance it gets picked off, but you practice and you try to get the 10% and you try to get it up to 15 and you try to get up to 20 until that really difficult throw, all of a sudden it's a 40% chance you make it. And then in a game time situation, you're hitting it. Now let's go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. He's in practice. He's watched Tom Brady make some crazy-ass throws, okay? I genuinely think that he was purposely making almost impossible throws to his wide receivers in draped in coverage and trying to place the ball and trying to figure out, do I need it? Do I need another foot on it? Do I need it on the back shoulder? Like where am I making this mistake and pinpointing it? And what was happening is every time he was doing it, he's getting picked off. Fuck. I need to try. Okay. I didn't. All right. And he's purposely doing it under basically in a situation where you're almost impossible to make the completion to start to really work on that accuracy and on those threading the needle throws because there is no other like the only other explanation is that he's horrific right like this is something that doesn't happen or it's something purposeful it's strategic it's like all right so why not what we know this guy played with tom brady for three years what how do we how can we not believe that maybe he's trying to challenge himself in a way that we haven't seen jimmy garoppolo is not nathan peterman here tanya He's I know, not. That's my point. He, no, but I, but he's 
why wouldn't he be doing this and taking extra time with his wide receivers after practice and working on because routes? That's not the point. But that's not. But here's the, the thing: if I'm he's a national, he's, he's a National Football League quarterback, then he's going to be working on these plays and these and these. You can't work on those plays without a defender covering. I, yes, you can if you, no, you ask can't. the time. Yes. No. You in can't. the off season, in it. practice, no. He just got healthy. Five he able to play five, football until six weeks ago. Five straight interceptions. That is completely ridiculous. All right, Courtney. And I think that Did you not I, just say you didn't think it was a big deal? Was I don't deal I don't not? think it's a big deal, but I'm not freaked out by it. Yeah. But I'm just saying that I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is as good as a lot of people think he is. I don't know whether he is or not. But I mean, I I, I, I certainly I certainly you, it's don't. The only explanation that I've heard from anybody, and I know it's my own theory, but no one has proposed a theory that makes sense other than he sucks. All right, which is not the case. All right, so in your theory, that means that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to throw four interceptions in each practice. No, counterintuitively, going from four to three to two to one in the practice. You know, for the rest of the time. Not necessarily. I think that it's just like, if you see the opportunity or it's a joint practice, you see that you have opposing cornerbacks that are really going to give it the all against the wide receivers, that's your best chance at having an opportunity to test the waters. I'm not sure. But I respect your opinion. Moving on to another quarterback, as we mentioned, Aaron Rodgers. He wants beer prices at Lambeau Field to be decreased to help the crowd get lubed and loud. Tanya, is it lubed or sloshed? It's as sloshed or hammered. Inebriated. Sloggered. <laughs> sloshed. He wants those cheese heads falling all over themselves screaming. I mean, what is to say, first of all, you are talking about a game in the NFC North, whether you are Minnesota or Detroit or Indianapolis. I know Chicago. they're not in the NFC North. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Those are cold weather games. You don't think that your fans are going to be drinking a bottle of Zelko before they walk into that stadium before this game, at least to keep their blood temperature warm? Oh my god, that's so funny. That's a good point. It's like, so you're trying to tell me, Aaron Rodgers, you're trying to tell me that, that your people fans are- in Green Bay aren't drunk enough, bro? Listen, a lot of people in Wisconsin are wonderful people, but them being too sober has never been an issue. I, number one, yes. Number two. I got a really good idea, Court, for how to get the fans riled up. Yes. And I'm going to tell you from experience, you know what gets them riled up? Winning games. I know. Aaron Rodgers. Stay on the field. Keep your collarbone intact. Make sure you hit your Hail Marys. And there'll be all kinds of worked up. And get along with your goddamn coach. I, I just, the, the episode, and I have to give a shout out to part of my take boys who sat down with Matt LaFleur in their recent episode. And for those of you who don't know, Big Cat, one of two of Pardon My Take, him and PFT. Big Cat is a massive Chicago Bears fan. And he just acted like a huge asshole and was like, I fucking hate you. And I'm just going to not say that I don't hate you, but I fucking hate you. But it was so funny. It was, it was so like, he was doing funny. It in good humor. He it was, was really doing cute. it with the best humor possible, really but he basically came out and said, and I know Tanya, I, I tagged you and I said, this was a riot. I because they said, he said, hey, is Aaron Rodgers hard, difficult to get along with, or very difficult to get along with? <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, that, that all. All eyes are on the situation here in, in in Green Bay because Mike McCarthy was a fantastic coach. Is Mike McCarthy out of coaching right now? Yeah, he, I, th- I think he's, he's or taking, maybe an assistant he's coach, a, a Jeff Fisher, uh, a Bruce, time off. a Bruce yeah. Arians year. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's. I just think it's funny that Aaron Rodgers found another group of people to blame, and this time it's the fans. <laughs> if you guys aren't drunk enough, it, that's the problem. Well, here's the here's the problem that we all know: the fact that he wants to lower beer prices. Pretty sure, buddy. 
when we did the whole beer chugging contest, <laughs> that you put it up and said, hey, guys, all right, I'm going to chug. As David Bakhtiari sitting across the stadium chugged three beers, like literally in no time flat, and looked like a fucking possessed monster. This clip that you have to watch it if you have to look up David Bakhtiari chugging three beers at a Milwaukee Bucks game. And then they, then they go to his quarterback and he's like, excuse me, I need to come up for air halfway through my beer. He's like, can I get sir, a straw? Sir, go back to college, play some Beirut, and work on your chugging skills. Open up the throat and drink the beers because I'm not buying a quarterback asking beer prices to be decrease to help his fans get better if you can even chug a fucking beer yourself. You know who could ask their fans to chug more beer? Baker Mayfield. Bite into Baker a, Mayfield bite is into a boss. Bite a can of beer and shotgun it like a Dude, man. I have so much respect for Baker Mayfield oh. just across the board. Oh, I just think man. I just, I really, well, I mentioned in the last podcast that I thought that he could be MVP. He could. He's MVP in my heart. He no, but he's just he just does everything right. I you know I, I had a I had a I had a lot of slack against him, and I just Baker Mayfield was the man. He's the man. Gimmicks and rants time. Gimmicks and rants. Oh, Courtney, I am really excited to hear your gimmick and rant because this has been all over the internet, and you actually kind of just brought it up casually. And I know that this is like every single person as listening has experienced this this summer. Tell me about how you feel about hard seltzer. Okay, so I was in Arizona this weekend and I was at a friend's house. Uh, we were, you know, having a little pool party. The, the husband and wife that we were with were drinking White Claw. And I was like, okay, I was like, this is funny because it's like not only, you know, is your, is your, your wife who's freaking awesome drinking the White Claw. And I was like, how is that? She's like, it's awesome. Her husband was drinking it. He was like, no, 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 this is awesome. So I decided after seeing all the memes, you know, the claw is the law, all the white chicks across America drinking this drink, this hard seltzer. And I had one and not only was, yes, it was delicious. I said, does this get you drunk? And like after one drink, it's 5%. I was like, Okay, I kind of feel it now. It's like a I, light beer. Yeah, yeah, it's like a light beer. It's like it's like grain alcohol. They don't really explain what kind of alcohol it is. It's, <laughs> it's like kinda, a hot dog of alcohol. It's really I like I have it. no idea what's in it. So then I, I you know I posted. I said okay, I've conformed, and I can't tell you I got more DMs than if if I posted a bikini picture yeah. on my Instagram oh, yeah. story. Yeah, I have more DMs about this about this white claw. They're like put. Hey, put the boobs away. Talk to but me. Yeah, listen, to like, they're me. like, I don't care about your abs or your tits. Please talk to me about the White Claw. And, you know, I'm getting people, my friends were just blowing my phone, sending memes, like, in the spirit of, of good timing and, you know, in good business sense. Uh, Darren Ravel, my good friend. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. My good friend, formerly of ESPN, now of the Action Network and betting. And he's still on his game of listing beverage rankings and stats and all this stuff that I just, I find completely fascinating because my family has been in the restaurant business for a long time, but he just started mentioning all of the, the rise of the seltzers. Yes. The hard seltzers. Um, Natty Light. Natty Light. Natty Light. Coming out with a seltzer. I have, my is mind God's is. God's gift to college kids. Blown. Amazing. My mind is blown. I no, know. it's natural light, but it's literally Natty Light. For those of you who don't know, Natty Light is just the most disgusting, nasty beer. It was just the cheapest beer and, you know, was often found so at frat parties. Beirut. So we always played, you know, to like, you know, for the yeah. games in college. Yes. And then by, by, the, by the way, we, we call it Beirut on this podcast. We are both from New England. Yeah. So, so if you don't um, know what that is, look it up, you slobs. I, I really don't care. Or what you used to call it, it's not beer pong, it's Beirut. Bye. So Natty Light has two couple, a couple flavors. The Catalina Lime Mixer. <laughs> the Catalina Lime Mixer is 
truly the best flavor of a drink I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I honestly like I need I need one. I don't even think it's gonna be good as Natty Light, but come on, dude. That's awesome. marketing, marketing at its finest, and then I think it was like the Aloha something. It was like another fruity drink. Oh yeah. I, I was all about the Natty Light and I was like, okay, all right. So then Darren Ravel comes out with, you know, they have the percentage of alcohol by right. volume. And when I tell you, I had one white claw and I was like, 5% alcohol by right. volume. Four loco. <laughs> Four loco coming out with a hard seltzer that is 15% alcohol by can. Are you trying to have college kids end up getting their fucking stomach pumped in the hospital. I'm sorry, they overdosed, sugar levels through the roof, getting diabetes, and getting their stomach pumped because they drank too many hard seltzer four locos. Are you insane? I don't know how they're going to this too because crazy. This, this already, fifteen percent alcohol they got in trouble for like making drinks that, that are like illegal. So I don't criminal. understand how they're allowed to double the alcohol content I'm of any other I'm freaking out. I I agree. It's wild. So I mean, give me more white claw hard seltzer. Go away every other flavor. Except for Natty Light. I will say Bon and Vibs, too. Very I, good. I, I, you have to look up. If you don't follow Darren Ravel, you have to follow him. because it's like Yeah, it's a crazy kinda, list. Yeah. It's also kind of crazy. His list shows how many there are now. Sending all those four locos to the college kids. What is your gimme more go away, Tanya? Uh, as I'm, we finish up the podcast. I'm going to be super derivative. And I'm going to say I have been wedding planning. Now, I've always wanted a wedding, but I've never wanted to plan it. So I'm having a destination wedding. Everybody's either on East Coast or West Coast. So we decided on a East Coast location. We're doing it in Miami. We're gonna have a beach vibe. We're gonna kill it. Um, but which, which to my, which to my surprise, you're like, I just got to tell you, like, where we're going. I was like, Courtney's gonna die. I know. I know. It was, it was like, but so it's just kind of at the point now where I'm realizing that the bridezilla thing isn't because isn't always because people are being like, like you know, divas or whatever. It's just like, this isn't fun. Yeah. I want to get to the point where I'm <laughs> drunk and in a dress and skinnier than I've been in four years. I want to get to that part and I want to skip all the other stuff. So this is my opportunity to say to you, Courtney, I'm passing some shit off to you. I, it's about like, I've also been like, well, I go, I go, yo, as soon as, as soon as she said she's going to Miami, I mean, the, the, the hotel that you're having it at is going to be great because they're already going to kind of have like this, Repackaged. This is they're what we do. Yeah, yeah, they're incredible. Um, I am just. I'm already headstrong on getting all of my cooking people, oh, yeah. all of my makeup people, all, every recruiting everyone from the NBC Six local NBC Six team to come in. Fair enough. Tanya really, Tanya really did not buy into the fact that I said, "Listen, I go. You know what's going to be even better? The fact that this hotel is right on the strip of Collins Avenue." I said, "So then I'm just going to pick you up and I'm going to throw you into the ocean with your dress." <laughs> No, the Wreck pool. The dress. The pool. <laughs> no, 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 the, the ocean. I'm putting you in the ocean. We're going to do pictures by the ocean with you and Chris. And yeah, yeah. Tanya was like, if you fucking touch me <laughs> in my like $5,000 dress, I'm really, I'm really this like, we're just, we're canceling the podcast off the bat. <laughs> like you're getting, I'm flying you back to LA. Bye. And no, <laughs> listen, you know what, Courtney, I'm excited to have you by my side for this entire <laughs> journey. So Anyway, that's yeah, a quick because rant. she's excited to have me by her side on the tire journey because after we get off the podcast, she's going to give me a list and a bolt and a folder yeah. of everything that she wants me to do to plan for her wedding. And I'm going to have no choice. I don't want to do it. I'm going to have no choice. All right. Next week, 
is week three of NFL preseason, and I'm pretty sure that we're not going to have any breaking news that we're going to have to tell you about, so we're just going to have to have another Tony and Tanya podcast. Honestly, I think this is a good one, and I think, like, I honestly like when there's no news, because then we get to get in the nitty-gritty of stuff, so this was fun. Um, I agree. We could have a guest on. I mean, but here's the thing. Like, we were thinking about having a guest on the show, and then I'm like, what? Like, what? what is there to talk about? And who could have done better on this on these topics than we, we could have? Dude, I mean, I should just call up Jay-Z, and then I, when we have him on the phone, I'll just cry. Sometimes, honestly, I will. I, I will. I just. I think. Really think. I might. I would cry. Honestly, Courtney. Sometimes, if you want something done right, you do it yourself. And that was what episode twenty-one was for us. We're having Sean Brown of the Wasserman Group back on, on the next podcast. All right. Well, whoever that is. All right. It's my we dude. love you guys. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye. Peace. Bye.